Boy, last Sunday, I tell you, Pastor really, really brought a message on apathy. And I don't know about you, but I'm still digesting a part of that message. I took it home with me. I, I looked through the notes, and, and he said some great things to the pastor. And then this morning, we're gathered to, uh, to mash the monster of fear. How many, can I just ask this morning, how many have dealt with the spirit of fear more than one time? We all have. We have, all have. Nobody, nobody is exempt. And so, uh, as I was preparing for the message for today, I, I came across something I want to share with you. And, you know, today life is different to all of us. Some of us are facing the age that we never thought we would get here as quick as we have. We're looking at a time that uh, seems like most of our years may be behind us from all appearance. Then we have the young people that are moving on. Everything is exciting or most everything is exciting to them. And it looks like life has a lot to offer. And then there's a middle class. You're weighing the past from the future. And you're making decisions about how you're going to finish the race and the course that God has given us here on this earth. But can I say this? Life is how you look at it. When I look at my life, if I didn't include Jesus Christ, I'd be only an empty vessel looking for something that would fill, that would satisfy, that would give me a hope beyond where I'm living today. But I, as I was thinking about the spirit of fear and how we would deal with it this morning, you know, life really comes by how we see things in life. Our five senses say a lot to us, but more than our five senses is the spirit of the Holy Spirit. It engulfs us. It gives us strength and courage in times when we're being intimidated, when, in times of comparison, when we seem like we're the low man on the totem pole. And, 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 and the hours that we deal with apathy and, and things that come our way that we wish weren't a part of our life. And then we come to the part of just flat dab being fearful scared and I don't believe these last two should ever follow that word with a Christian but scared to death it's how you see it a blind boy sat on the steps of a building with a hat between his feet he had a sign that read I'm blind please help there were only a few coins in the hat. When a man came walking by, he also took a few coins, placed it in the hat, and then he took the sign and turned the sign around and wrote some words on the back of the sign. And he put on the sign where it was so that everybody who walked by would see these words. Soon the hat began to fill up. A lot more people were giving money to the blind boy. That afternoon, the man who had changed the sign came by to see how things were going. The boy, recognizing the steps, sound familiar, asked the man, Were you the one who changed my sign this morning? If so, what did you write? And the man said, I only wrote the truth. I said what you said, only in a different way. I wrote, Today is a beautiful day, but I can't see it. Both signs told people the same thing. That the boy was blind, but the first sign was a boy that just said, I'm blind. And the second sign was more effective, and it told the story more in full. The moral of that story today is be thankful for what you have. Number two, be creative and innovative. Think differently and be positive. When life gives you a reason to cry, show life that you have a thousand reasons to smile. Face the past without regret. Handle your present with confidence. Prepare the future without fear. 
Keep the faith and drop the fear. Just remember, God is near. Second Timothy 1.7 this morning. We want to see if we can mash the monster of fear. Paul writes to Timothy, a young minister who's giving his heart to the life, and he's facing the uncertainty of many times a jail sentence because he was standing up for the right and shunning the wrong. And Paul, mentoring this young ministry, Timothy, was so full of encouragement and he wanted to say some words that Timothy could take with him every day that, that he would not forget some words of encouragement in the time of despair. Words that would cheer him on when it seemed like thumbs were down on his ministry. We've all been there in some way, form, or fashion. But in 2 Timothy 1.7, the Apostle Paul writes this very, very clearly and he does it for one reason, not to preach a sermon. I'm not here this morning to preach you a sermon. I have one desire, your shepherd. I want to stir the gift that's within you. I want to stir something in your core that would want to make you live for Jesus. I want to give you a cause for the reason of following Jesus. You'll never find it in just joining a church. You'll never find it in just attending a church. You'll never find it in the baptistry or the riverbank, everywhere you choose to be baptized. But I can tell you, you can find the perfect thing that you're looking for when you find and accept Jesus Christ and his plan. And my goal this morning is to stir that gift within every one that's seated here today. Inside of every one of us is a treasure chest. And every day you choose what you're going to retain in that treasure chest and what you're going to leave behind. Paul also wrote these words, not to Timothy, but he wrote them so that you and I could glean from the truth. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And many people today are carrying such a bundle of the past that they cannot enjoy the future. Many people are carrying the hurts of yesterday and the disappointments of life and the rejection that has has followed them all the days of their life. And instead of releasing it and casting it all upon Jesus, they're trying to deal with the future when all the time they're blinded by their past. I want to stir the gift inside of all of you this morning that God has given us something called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been given for many reasons. I'm glad that I can clinch the fact that I was filled one day with a glorious power of the Holy Spirit when a glorious language flew, flew out of my mouth that I'd never spoken before. When I spoke in that heavenly language, cloven tongues, and it wasn't like fire, but it was beautiful because it was a prayer language that I'd never experienced before. My mind couldn't mess up that prayer. Only God could receive it because I was speaking a language that only heaven can interpret. Today, the Holy Spirit is here to guide us into all truth. And the, the Holy Spirit is here to tell you what's good and what's not good. The Holy Spirit is here to set, uh, let you know that there's a place set at the table of the Lord just for you. There's no big guys and little yous that are invited to the table, but the call is universal when Jesus says, Whosoever will may come and drink of the waters of life freely. Whether you're rich whether you're poor, whether you're famous or not so famous, whether you're young or whether you're old, whether your heart's been broken or whether you're living a great healthy life, spiritually, physically, and financially, the invitation includes you when he said, whosoever will. You see, the God that I serve today 
I didn't have to measure up to anybody's expectation. I just came to the fountain one day just as I was, and he accepted me for who I was, and he saw the opportunity to transform my life and get rid of the garbage that I retained in my life and the very substitutes that I tried to live on and tried to eat and tried to drink and consume myself with what the world had to offer. Jesus walked into my life, and he lifted the load of sin, and he filled that void in my life with the presence of God. And here's what he said to me. I love you unconditionally. I love you just like you are. There's not ten steps to salvation. The invitation is whosoever will may come. And I've invited you and you and you and you. And I want you to know that you're special when you sit out at the table. And on that menu I found 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I want to talk to you this morning about how to mash the spirit of fear. If we'd all be honest, we all have fearful moments. Sometimes they're expressed and sometimes they're hidden. But I'll never forget one day when I led a good friend of mine to an area where I needed some help. He had a good chainsaw. And there were some trees that were blinding the area where you had to pull up to the main highway to pull on to go to ceiling. And I'd already told him days before, weeks before, months before, that there was a holy fear inside of this preacher. And it was snakes. You wouldn't think anybody that weighed 180 pounds, 5 foot 11, would be scared of a little slick, slimy thing, even if it had something on the end of its tail that went <laughs> or rattle, 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 rattle. Anything called a snake sends cold chills up my back. And the only good snake I want everybody to get this in case you come by and, and you see that I ran over a good snake. The only good snake I've ever met is a dead snake. <laughs> oh, I know God has not given us a spirit of fear, but just keep those snakes away from me. How many would say this morning, it's not a snake that scares me, but I'm really concerned about where I stand financially and that old snake just continues to show his face. And the harder I work, the further behind I get. How many would say, you know, I, it's not a snake that scares me, but it's just that my marriage is in shambles and the things I've worked so hard for, I poured my life into. But today, there's a fear that things may not work out the way that I want them to. Maybe it's raising a family this morning. Maybe it's the challenges of a child that's gone wrong and you don't know whether they'll ever turn around and see the light of day again. And you lay your head on the pillow day by day and there's a fearful area in your life. Oh God, if you could just only see me through this storm, I think everything would work out. And yet, God has already said, I'm working it out good for you. Let me put the monster of fear be behind you. In Romans 8, 28, he said, I'm working it out for good. You just keep loving on me. That's the reason I'm so dead set against religion, but I'm turned on to the love of Jesus because this all works when I love Jesus. 
Oh, it may not work the moment I lay my hands upon it, but I can tell you, I just keep on relying. I just keep standing on it. I just keep confessing what God's Word has to say. And perfect love casts out all Let me say that over here. Perfect love casts out all fear. How many would say like the pastor, there's still a little left in the bowl. He's still working on me. Yes, he's still working on all of us. He'll always work on us continually. The good news is that this fear is a spirit. How many knows the Bible says God is a spirit? How many knows the Bible says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I love to sing songs. I love to lift my hands and worship the Lord. I enjoy surrendering my life to the Lord in praise and worship. It just primes my will inside of me to receive the engrafted word of God. And it was with joy and with joy and, and peace that we have when we're in church and we enjoy the presence of God. And the Bible says that God loves cheerful giving. And when the offering plate comes by, it's a cheerful thing to be able to be a part of it. No matter what we're facing this morning, we must settle the fact, and I'm going to stir this gift within you this morning. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But notice what he did give us to take the place. I like God's word because when he extracts something out of our life, he employs something even better. When he takes away this load of sin, he gives us peace and joy of the the gifts of, uh, of the Holy Spirit that makes us more than conquerors. In Christ Jesus, in the, in, the, in the travel of life, if God didn't give me the spirit of fear, why am I still dealing with fear? Paul tells 2 Timothy, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but power. Let's talk about power for a moment. What kind of power would you need when you're real scared? I need my wife. She's not afraid of snakes. I'm telling you, we've had a storm, a few stormy days in our married life, but I, I never would really want to turn loose of her because she could handle the snake business. She needs me because she is as scared of a mouse as I am a snake. I almost seen, seen eternity fall on the Unwin house one day when her brothers was chasing her through the house with a mouse. And her dad sounded like the voice of God when he threatened those boys for the, with their life if they ever did it again. I picked up on truth because truth will set you free. Truth will give you confidence. It's going to all work together because I need her, and most of the time she needs me. Listen, but we need God all the time. If he hasn't given us a spirit of fear but power, how about this? Is there anybody in your life this morning that just takes a long stretch to love them? A long stretch. Have you ever, have you ever said, Lord, I just love them enough to get to heaven? I know that's a religious slogan, but I've heard it many times. I'm just, if this will get me by, this is all I'm going to love them. You know what? We're all human. And the longer you try to stretch without God's help, the, the less stretch you're going to have. Have you ever noticed a piece of elastic only has so much elasticity? How about a rubber band? What happens when you get as far as it's going to, a rubber band as far as it's going to stretch? It snaps. 
Let me ask you, have you ever snapped? God wants us to, that wasn't in the notes. God doesn't want us to snap. He wants us to rely upon him. God wants to empower you with a love to love everybody. We don't have to love their ways. We don't even have to love the way they talk or some things that they say. But I'm telling you, for God so loved the world that he gave. And that while we were yet unlovable, he gave. And he's still in the giving business today. The only thing he wants to do is he wants to extract the things that keeps life from being abundant. And he wants to employ the peace and the joy in our life that causes us to continue to follow the Lord. I want to talk to you about fear today. Fear will disconnect you from your faith if you allow it to. I would argue that fear is really faith in wrong things. Today we're talking about faith out of the wrong things. We're putting on the one who is faithful. God has clothed us with the spirit of righteousness. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And we're going to start out by simply defining what fear is. How's that? I already know what it is. Well, let's look at what the Bible reflects that it may be. If you're taking notes, I believe that fear is placing your faith in whatever in the whatever ifs. Whatever if. If this don't happen, I don't know where I'm going to turn. What if it goes the wrong way? Have you ever been in a courtroom and you've been called to witness and you say, boy, I, I, what if this goes the wrong way? What's going to happen? I sat in a courtroom. I was called to witness in a in a federal court in Fort Worth many years ago. I sat there for two weeks wondering, what if? Not out of fear, but out of concern because it was somebody that I loved and appreciated. Listen, I believe faith is placing your faith in the what ifs, and God wants you to know that he wants you to place it in the promises and the provision of God. What if it doesn't turn out right? Romans 8, 28 says God is there to turn it around. He'll turn it around, but he'll have to do it. He does it according to your faith and love. Yeah. And yet the enemy says, you know, if you had more faith, you'd be healed. Let me say this. God blesses people of all walks of life. The Bible says it rains on the just, it rains on the unjust. We see th good things happen to people that aren't serving the Lord. We see p good things that are happen happening with, the, with those that are following the Lord. But, you know, we just have to get real. What is, what is fear? What, is, what plagues me? What keeps me from going off to sleep at night when I cushion my head on my pillow? Is it the what ifs? What if tomorrow the cut and the place where I work includes me. What if my job is terminated? What if things don't turn out, turn out the way that they should? There's a lot of people filled with people just like you and I. They're without Jesus, though. They have no hope that they can cast their care upon. They have nobody to feel the love that God engulfs us with when things are going wrong. Tori came home just this past week. She said, Papa, we took one of my friends over to the neighbors so she could get a shower. She hadn't, they haven't had any water in their house for five days. Boy, I tell you what, I, I get really angry at the devil when I hear a teenager living in this condition. 
And can I say this? The faithfulness of my church family helps do something about it. Amen. You know what God blesses? He blesses those that will become a blessing to others. Doesn't the Bible say you reap whatever you sow? Oh, come on. There's three says yes. Where's the rest of you? Come on. It's 10 minutes to 12. I promise you, if you start saying amen, I'll, I'll be through by 12. If not, I'll be through by 1230. <laughs> amen. Amen. You're with me. You're with me. Picked up the phone. I didn't call an electrician. I didn't even call a preacher. Called the plumber. I said, I, there's a certain person who lives a certain place. They haven't had water for five days. Would you be, would you work it into your agenda? Would you go by and see if that could be fixed? He said, I'll talk to you in a little while. I'll go right there and we'll see what's up. I said, if it doesn't cost an arm and a leg, fix it. It didn't even cost a rib. <laughs> yeah. Amen. At 2 o'clock, the phone rang. He said, Pastor, that, prob- that problem's been fixed. I had to tear a wall out, but we got it fixed. Those people have running water. You know... I'm so blessed today because I have a friend like Jesus. Sometimes I don't know what to say. Sometimes I don't know what, how things are going to work out. And I'll just tell you something. Sometimes I don't know what the answer is going to be. But I know one thing. Jesus is the answer. He's one who never leaves us. He's one who never fakes, forsakes us. And when our life is engulfed with fear, we know what to do. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, call on me. Do you think it embarrasses the Lord when I'm full of fear to say, Jesus, where are you? Do you think it embarrasses him today for you to do the same? He knew before he created us how we would act and how we would react. The Lord spoke to Moses one day. Moses had been raised in Pharaoh's house one of the most powerful men in the world. He was a king. He, he had everything to offer that, that Moses could enjoy. He was raised with everything. Nothing did he have to ask for but what he could receive. One day, he saw an Egyptian slave master. He saw an Egyptian slave master kill a Hebrew. And Moses lost it, and he killed that man. He flees for his life. He winds up as a, herding his father-in-law's sheep. And one day, on the backside of nowhere, God speaks to a man that had killed an Egyptian. And he said, Moses, I've got plans for you. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I'm going to show you what to say. I'm going to show you what to do. And he, God spoke to him in a very unusual way. As Moses was walking along, all at once a bush just began to burn. And Moses turned aside to see that the, burn, the bush was not being consumed with the flame. And as he was giving his full attention, his undivided attention to the bush, out of that bush came the voice of God. Moses, I've got your number. I've seen everything you've done. I know you're full of fear. You ran, you fled for your life. Moses, I've still got an assignment that I had for you before you ever slew 
the Egyptian, I'm preparing you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And Moses was just like I would have been. Oh, what if he says no? What if he says no? No is always an opportunity to see what's next. It took the burning bush. It took herding the sheep of his father-in-law for several years. But he was still filled with God. What if they don't believe me? And he said this while he was in the presence of God. And he's gripped with the worst scenario. What if he doesn't abide? You and I are gripped with similar scenarios at times. The what ifs, although they're not of God, are actually a matter of a lot. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not, I want you to write it down in your memory bank. What you fear the most is really what you value the most. Otherwise, you wouldn't be obsessed about it. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. And if you're worried about your marriage, what does that mean by way of value? Your marriage. It's a good thing, right? Sure it is. Your fear of losing your job or being able to pay your bills. What matters most? Security. There's nothing wrong with that. You have, if you're fearful of something happening to your kids, look to the book of Job where he lost his wealth. He lost his cattle. He lost his sheep. He even lost his family. And he said, the, the thing that I feared worst has came upon me. He was always praying for his kids because his kids were out partying and doing the wrong thing. And these actually, actually came out of the heart of a man that a book in the Bible has writ, is written about. And what you fear the most reveals to us every day what we value the most. Secondly, if you're writing this down, what you fear the most reveals where you trust God the least. Ouch. Do I need to say that again or did everybody get it? It's preaching to me, so don't look at me like, who's he think he is? What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. What is truly important to you, but unfortunately it also reveals where you're not trusting the Lord. I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. But here's what we find ourselves doing, struggling sometimes over things that God wants to step in and be a part of it. Could I ask this question this morning? What are you fearing? Is it your children? Is it your health? Is it somebody you love? Is it aging parents? Is it a future? Is it money? What is it? Is it somebody like your pastor, 77 years of age, and wondering what's next? That's a stretch. Aren't you glad you can say, thank God and Greyhound, I'm not there? <laughs> I look at one more life, and then we're closing. David, as a young man, was anointed by Samuel to be king of Israel. But at that time, he was not king of Israel. Somebody else was. His name was Saul. Saul gets wind of the fact that David's been anointed for king, to be the next king. And everybody's talking about this guy. Any army he faces, he demolishes. 
And Saul is super jealous. And so he puts a hit on David's life. David literally spends years running and hiding and running from Saul and his army who was trying to kill him. Let me ask you, would you be a little fearful if you knew somebody had you in the crosshairs of their weapon this morning? David was. Do you think that would qualify him for fear? Probably. What did David choose to do? I love these words. In Psalms 56, chapter 56, verses 2 through 4. In God, whose word I praise. In God I trust, and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? In God, whose word I praise. Notice what he said. What can mere mortals do to me? Let's just be honest. What can Saul do to David? He can kill him. What did the king have that David didn't have? He had an army. He was king. He had a position. But David learned that his trust was to be in the Lord. And the Lord saw him through. I want you to stand this morning. I only got through about a third of the message. But in 365 times in the Bible, God uses the phrase, fear not. Can I ask you this question this morning? Never before have we lived in the hour that we're living. Never before have we seen people in politics do what they're doing today. Never before have we saw the things that we're seeing happen in this great land of America. Would the Bible somehow have translated the fact in the year of 2018, November the 11th, that he would have this message to this congregation, don't fear don't fear. Would he have a message number two in this? Perfect love cast out all fear. I know the clock says 12 o'clock. I want some music from the sound booth. And I want everybody to move forward like, we're, well, like we do for communion this morning. And this is how we're going to close the service. As the music plays, I want you to step out. It's 12 o'clock. If you need to go, just slip out real quietly, if you will. But I want, if, you don't, if your schedule will allow it, I want you to come forward this morning. And we're going to close the service in an unusual way. If you're here this morning and fear is gripping your heart, you'd like to know the truth about how things are going to work out. That's normal today. We all have that desire of wanting to know, Lord, how is this going to work out? Lord, what would, I, can I ha what would I have to do to have the knowledge of knowing that things are going to work out? We're going to answer that question in a time of prayer today. But before we pray, I just feel an urge to say this. If you're really at a standstill in life and fear is gripping your heart, we're all the same family this morning. If fear is gripping your heart today about some issue in life and it's just kind of paralyzed you, I want you to come and stand in front of me this morning. And I want you to say by that, I want you to pray for me today. I want to deal with fear. When I walk out of this building, I want fear to be settled in my life. I want you to come and stand right now. We're going to wait just a moment. I know there's people here today. Eight years ago when the doctor said, Orville, we found a trace of cancer in your prostate. If this 
causes fear in your life, we need to do a, a radical surgery. If it doesn't, we'll do some monitoring and we'll see how this works out. Here's what I believe. And there are those in the building. I have great friends in this, that are members of this church. You've had the radical. There's nothing wrong with that. I believe God speaks to all of us in different ways. I believe God puts our head between our shoulders for something besides a hat rack. Don't shout me down now. I believe this. But I told the doctor, I said, Doctor, I'm not motivated by fear. I'd, I'd just like to go on a monitoring basis, and we'll see how things work out. Eight years down the road, we're still monitoring. For my own life, it's, and listen to me, the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I don't believe we have to compare anything that we do with anybody else. If that doesn't set you free, then come and see me afterwards. There's no big eyes and little U's in the kingdom. We're just God's kids. The doctor told me a couple of three years into this, he said, Orville, I was diagnosed with the same thing. And can I just tell you, you've inspired me to do what you're doing. And I thought, how can this be? What I base my thoughts on in making this decision is this. I believe doctors are here for a good reason. I'm so glad we have doctors. Yes. Here's what I base my, my decision on. The steps of God's children are ordered by the Lord. And Satan, you're not going to take me out one day quicker than I'm going. And when you take me out, and when, when situations or circumstances take me out, uh, you're not taking me out. You're just sending me on to the great beyond. And graduation time will just come my way, and, and I'm going to a place where there'll be no more heartache and no more sorrow. Well, the former things will have passed away. You're here this morning. You want special prayer. You, you've got something that's just bugging you today. And it's really a, an important matter. If that's you, I want you to come and stand. And we're going to pray with you before we dismiss. You're here. Just move right on out. If you're not, we're going to close in a special prayer. But I've enjoyed talking to you about my fear today. And we all have a dose of it. We all have things we wish we, we had never had to encounter in life. We all have situations we wish that weren't there today. But you know what? Jesus is be of good cheer. I've overcome it all. I want everybody to take the hand of your neighbor this morning. And I want you to bow your head. And I'm going to pray for you. Father, I'm so grateful today for our church family. I'm so grateful today when we come to your house, we can just be honest. You already know our heart today. You already know every situation. You already know the turnout. Lord, you, you saw our ending before we ever were conceived in our mother's womb. And you said, they're worth it. I want to thank you this morning because our steps are ordered by you. And we have a heavenly father who not only cares, but understands. Lord, today... When our mind fails to understand, we can open the, your holy word. And in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, when we don't understand, your word says, trust in me with all your heart. Quit trying to understand it. Just acknowledge me and I'll take care of it. That's a paraphrase of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lord, we release that upon every individual here this morning. To those that have questions about tomorrow, 
Lord, I pray that they would sense the Holy Spirit is ministering to those today that are struggling with issues. Lord, they're struggling with relationships. They're, they're struggling, Lord, with, with, with all kinds of challenges that this life has to offer. Lord, I, I speak peace over every individual this morning. I speak the power today, that enabling power that's in each one this morning that you've given us, Lord, to, to eradicate the fear in our life. You've given us the power to say, get out of my life, fear, you're trespassing. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, today we, we take great emphasis on telling, telling doubt, fear, and unbelief to leave, to depart from the family of God. And from this day forward, Lord, I will fear, we can say like the psalmist David, I will fear no evil, for you're with me, Lord. Your rod and your staff, you comfort me. We give you all the praise this morning. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said.